everybody. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. It is Meet My Friend Friday, and I have a special guest on the podcast with me today that you guys are going to love. She has a story that's similar to mine, and most of you have heard that story. She's got a story of redemption, so stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Everybody, we made it to Friday. Moment of silence. You know you needed that. I am so glad that y'all have joined me today. And I'm saying y'all because I have a friend from the South. And you know that whenever I go to the South, I talk like a Southerner. So Edie Wadsworth's on the podcast with me today. And she is an author and a speaker. She's a physician. And uh, she's also my new friend. So Edie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much. I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, we are going to have a hoot and holler in good time. Uh, I was introduced <laughs> to Edie because my assistant, Melissa Crabtree, who's been working for me for about five years, uh, knows Candace, obviously. She and Candace are sisters-in-law, and she was like, why do you not know Edie? So I, I became obsessed. I started reading about you. Um, I found your book, All the Pretty Things, and I'm hooked. I'm a fan. So uh, I thought it'd be really great for you just to, I know you're going to be an encouragement to uh, the people who've been listening to this podcast for so long. And you wrote a book. Well, first of all, let's, I'm going to start from ground zero because, um, because your story is so interesting and encouraging. Tell my listeners, first of all, um, uh, where you come from and how long you've been married. Just a little bit about yourself and your family and your children. Um, we'll start with your marriage. How long have you been married? We have been married 17 and a half years Woo-hoo! and we have, I know, <laughs> yay. You're coming up uh, on I'm 20, girl. Hus- I know. I'm watching my husband go for his lunchtime walk as we speak. So he's right outside my window. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Keep an eye on him. I will. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, um, we live uh, in the East Tennessee area, about 45 minutes southeast of, or northeast of Knoxville. Right. And we have a big old blended family with nine kids. Holy moly. Oh. Nine kids. Yep. So see, you and I, we kind of understand each other. And they, your kids range, right? And you've got a 33-year-old all yep. the way down to five, to little. Five. <laughs> wow. I know. We we decided we're soul sisters. We have kids almost in the same age range and almost yeah. the same amount. And yeah, yeah. crazy you life. Know what's cool, Edie? What's cool about this? My husband and I talk about this sometimes. Having kids that far apart um, really makes you relevant to so many women because people will say, oh man, I just don't know how to deal with my adult children. You can be like, I know, right? And they'll say, I can't get a break because the five-year-old. And you'd be like, I know, right? Like you can <laughs> you can totally relate all the way through. Yes, yes. And I think it's just so much fun. I'm so thankful that we have kids in all those age ranges. It yeah. keeps us young and on our toes and all that. Yep, it really does. And you've homeschooled too for a little bit, right? Yep, we, um, we did about six years straight for our two youngest kids. We Mm -hmm. took a little bit of a break when they wanted to go to middle school and now they're in high school and we're back at it doing a dual enrollment. You know, they basically at that age homeschool themselves. Yes. So they really do. Yeah. (laughs) Well, people always say, you know, that we we get so freaked out about homeschooling through high school. And I'm like, dude, that's the best time ever to homeschool your kids because you start to see fruit and you can still have, you can have more insight, more oversight and more relationship with your kids, but really they homeschool themselves once you set them up. So it's great. 
It's awesome. And I so love having them around. I missed them so much when they were going yeah. to school. So I love having them in and out and around during the day. So, yeah. So you're, you're a busy, you are a busy mom. Like you're the quintessential busy mom and not, not the least of the titles that you uh, get to call yours is physician. So how long were you in medicine? Cause I know you're not currently practicing, right? But you no, did for a I'm long not. time. Yep. So I graduated medical school in, uh, or residency in 2000 and practiced for almost seven years. And then I've been out of it for 10 years. Wow. So crazy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I'm, so, I'm so fascinated. My mom, uh, a lot of my family is in uh, medicine. And so it's always fascinating me, but what really fascinates me about your story, and we'll talk about this more later was your decision to leave, uh, leave your practice because you, uh, you still love health and you still love, uh, you still love all the things that are related to helping people live vital lives. You're just doing it in a different way. Yeah, and I am excited to share that part of my story. But when I first gave up my practice, it was, you know, a very difficult decision for both my husband and I. He's also a physician. So we worked in the same office. And, um, uh, you know, it was a huge change in our relationship, which we had to adjust to. And we had a daughter at the time that needed a little extra help. And, um, you know, I kind of went through this where I felt like, Anybody can prescribe John his blood pressure medicine, but not anybody can lead, you know, my kids through these difficult times and hard things. So it was, it was a great decision. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm always telling moms, you know, it's, I think it's easy, especially when you've got opportunity and you've worked so hard to do something, it's easy to sacrifice the best thing on the altar of a good thing. And yes. it requires discernment. It really, it really does. And so, and it, and there's a blessing in it, you know, the, making those hard, hard choices, even when the world could look at you and go, why would you do that? Um, there's a yep. blessing in it. I know all my, um, all my aunts, for some reason, were the ones who had the most trouble with it. Like, why would you, you know, go to school for so long and give it all away right. and all of that. But I think now they see, you know, that our story has taken some really awesome turns and you know, God's a God of redemption. So he redeems every little thing. So yeah, he really does. Well, so speaking of him redeeming everything, you have written a phenomenal book, which I, um, I confess to crying through a lot of it. Uh, and it's called all the pretty things. And for all of you who are listening, um, I'm going to, I will link back to all things E.D. Wadsworth at the show notes today. So if you're driving, don't look her up, just keep listening. And I will put all this stuff out. You'll get it in an email. And it'll be at the show notes. So we'll link back to your book. But why did you decide? So I'm always interested when people write memoirs. Uh, it's painful. I mean, I I just finished Becoming Momstrong, which wasn't a memoir. But there were a lot of things about my life that I shared in the story of Becoming Momstrong. Because it had that was the reason I wrote the book. And it's hard to write a memoir. So why did you decide to write it at this point in your life? I mean, you could have just said, never mind, I'm doing fine without it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I know. And so what, what kind of motivated you to do that? Well, I did not originally sign up to write a memoir. I wanted to tell everybody all the wisdom I had gained in the last <laughs> 10 years <laughs> of being a mom and a Christian. So I wanted to share, you know, my strength, the things I had learned. And as I was, you know, as I started submitting chapters and writing the book, I would give these glimpses of my personal life and 
the editors would just hone in on, oh, that was that's really neat. Why don't you talk more about that? And yeah. so I finally realized that this book was changing a lot from the book that I wanted to write. So I flew up to Chicago to meet with Tyndale and I walked into the meeting and said, okay, I will write about anything except my childhood and my divorce. And right. so hence all the pretty things. That was your first about- mistake, Edie. <laughs> Never tell an editor what you don't want to write about. <laughs> now I know. And so I ended up writing a book about my very broken childhood and most of my failures in my young adult life. So there you go. Mm. And you really, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, you and I have similar stories. They're different in some ways and similar in others. But I thought it was really interesting. The first thing I noticed was that you dedicated this book to your parents. And um, I love the picture in the front. Um, and I thought to myself as I was reading it, you know, God has to do a pretty strong work of healing in a person's heart to be able to get to that point. And you have to sort of release yourself from another person's destiny to find your own. And when you grow up with somebody uh, that's hurt you, it takes a lot to come out of that and find a place of victory and get, you know, and to say, Lord, what do you have for my life? And how are you going to use this broken thing in my life to bring glory to you? But you have found that God can do it. And so you tell a story and it's pretty raw of just uh, where you came from. And I'm wondering that redemption, because that's really the point, right? Why write a story if we can't bring some hope? Uh, When you realized that you needed to find healing, what was there a moment when you're just like, okay, all these things I'm doing aren't working. And what was sort of that moment that made you uh, look to the Lord and sort of turn, uh, make a turn? and step away from that and see yourself the way God sees you? Yeah, I think um, when I went into the writing of the book, honestly, I thought I was healed. So I thought, well, Mm. that won't be so bad to write about my dad because I don't have any, you know, I don't have any leftover angst or uh, bitterness. And turns out I actually did. And I think the turning Mm. point for me was being willing to turn to turn that anger and bitterness over to God and say, yeah, I do still feel rejected and angry and, Mm. and bitter. And that's okay. God is a God who heals the brokenhearted in every way. And so I think it was the pride probably that kept me from full healing because I wanted to say, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. 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 Well, and honestly, and I, I've talked to women a lot about this on the podcast and even in my book that I think it's, frankly, I think it's pride that keeps us from coming to the Lord every day in prayer because we're like, we got this. We, you know, thank you, Lord. We're so glad that you're there. When there's a national tragedy, I'll be sure and, and look you up, you know, but yep. for the everyday situations in our life, we don't really do that. And and in uh, your book, you, you're really, I mean, you're living out this concept that for as hard as things can get and as yucky as it is sometimes, God offers a promise of healing and redemption, but we have to go to him in order to get it. So I'm wondering if, can you unpack that idea just a little bit for listeners and talk about how this is, um, how God's used it in your own life? Yeah, I think the saying is true that when you write a book, you're the one who needs it first. And (laughs) 
And before, and I hope God uses me to write another book. Maybe I can, uh, you know, someday write the book I wanted to write. But I think what he knew is that I wasn't ready to do that because I wasn't healed from my own story and life. Yeah. And um, before we can, um, you know, reach out with whatever wisdom and compassion to other people, we have to do that for ourselves. And Mm. this journey for me was, uh, one of tremendous um, healing, but it, it, I kind of think about it like it's like I walked back into my childhood to that eight-year-old little girl. Yeah, boy, that's hard. And yep, and took her by the hand and said, "You know what? This is all going to be okay." And yeah. I, opening back up those memories and those wounds. Um, there was two surprising things about that. The first one thing that surprised me the most was that it doesn't hold as much power over you as you think because God is so gracious to just his healing is so miraculous. And, and that was surprising to me. The other thing Mm -hmm. that was surprising to me is that he always works his greatest miracle in the area of our struggle of our heartache And I wanted to be strong for the world in a lot of ways. But what I have realized is that most of the strength comes from my vulnerability, my weakness, where I failed, where I, you know, was prideful and he was able to dig that out. Um, So it, all the things that I wanted to hide, you know, all growing up and pretend like I wasn't poor and my dad wasn't an alcoholic and we had enough food, you know, pretending like you're fine. Um, the strength that comes from opening up that wound and that scab and, and letting people see the truth, such power and such Mm. release and Mm -hmm. such redemption is available if we're willing to do that. And he's so trustworthy with our hearts and with our stories and, and he will bring precious people alongside us that are trustworthy as well to hear our stories. So it turns out crazy journey. His word is true. I mean, he says, what is it? Second Corinthians 12, I think, where uh, we read that his grace is sufficient for us because his power is made perfect in weakness. And and I think um, one of the things you and I discovered them, it sounds like at different points along the timeline of our lives, but the but we discovered the same thing, which is his power really is found in weakness. And I'm always telling women, I don't know. I've never seen God work more powerfully than he does through suffering. I think it's maybe because human beings are so prideful, we don't get it any other way. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, we have to be, we have to experience the reality of our need for him. Yeah. And we typically don't do that through really in any other way. I mean, it's not, I guess that doesn't really go along with the prosperity gospel, you know, but the truth is God wants us, I think, to find him um in the middle of that weakness and acknowledge our need for him. And then we get to see him do the miraculous, which is bring about a healing that sometimes we never even thought we needed, or if we knew we needed it, we didn't think it was possible. Yeah. And I love that you, that you kind of, that you've brought that out. And I know that there's a lot, there are a lot of people listening to this today who are uh, grieving some, they're grieving something in their life, whether they came from an abusive background or they've experienced some financial, uh, you know, a financial disaster in their life or they've gone through the pain of a divorce. And I think this message is so important. Why, uh, 
I'm curious to think what you, I already know my answer, Evie, because it's me. <laughs> but why, um, why do you think it's so important for, um, for Christians today to kind of hear this message of, uh, of facing your weakness and looking for the strength of God in the middle of it? Well, I think, first of all, part of my growing up, my parents didn't go to church, but I, um, an angel from God knocked on my door one Saturday and invited me to church. So I became involved in the church and it was both an, an amazing thing and some things that I had to heal from, from that. But what I learned wrongly early on was that Christians are perfect and we put on this, um, yep. We put on this face and we act like we don't have sin that we deal with every day and we act like we don't have struggles and everything is great. And I think that it's so that that philosophy is just so detrimental because we continually battle against the flesh and our sin and our grief and our suffering. And um, I think being willing to live every day in that cycle of repentance and forgiveness and repentance mm. and forgiveness. And um, we don't have to pretend like we're something that we're not. God knows our hearts. And the more that we can live that out, I think in front of our brothers and sisters, the more they go, oh yeah, me too. Like I, I struggle with that. And, or I had a childhood like that, or I went through a divorce like that. Um, and, and there's just tremendous healing in it. There's no, um, there's no healing to be had when we just all pretend like we're fine. <laughs> right. Right. And it's not, and it's not true. And we're not even walking. We're not walking in a place where the Lord can even reach us because it's that pride that keeps us from letting those walls down. And I remember, you know, a long time ago when I realized, okay, I'm in, I'm in serious trouble because I was on pretty much every anti-anxiety medication on the market because by the time I entered adulthood, um, I was so messed up that I thought I was going crazy and I was always having panic attacks and all kinds of craziness. And I think that children, especially when you grow up like that, it almost, it's like it hardwires your brain to respond to stress in a certain way. And so I'm, you know, I'm responding, you know, really wrongly. And it, and it was, for me, it was becoming a mother and realizing I don't want to pass on whatever my dad passed on to me, which frankly, his dad passed on to him. And it was generational in my family and sort of what I learned in the middle of it was God wants to come in the middle of that generational suffering that so many uh, women today are finding themselves in the middle of, and he wants to bring healing to it. And you've experienced that same thing. And so when you talk to moms like that, you know, you meet a mom in a conference or, or someone, you know, wants to, to, you know, you just, you're just talking to somebody at church and they're in the middle of either they're in a dysfunctional family or they're just realizing, hey, that actually wasn't normal. <laughs> yep. It took me a long time. It sounds stupid. People don't understand. Why did you stay in that abusive relationship? Well, it's because when you're in it, that's your normal. And and when that's your normal, you just figure everybody's dad is knocking down the stairs. Everybody, you know, you just figure that's what happens in families because we live in isolation in that way. And I know that there are women who are listening to this right now who are going, they're just at the beginning of that journey. And they're just now... Uh, a light, little light starting to go on and they realize, oh my goodness, that's me. What do you say to that, to that woman, especially, or even to that man? But I think women, it seems to me that women who, especially once they start having children, this becomes a really big issue. What do you say to them 
um, in order to to encourage and bring them hope if they are have lived through that or they're in the midst of it right now? Yeah, I think uh, I, the only way that I have been able to make sense of my own suffering is the cross of Christ and yeah. um, reimagining our suffering through the light of His suffering. And I think that if you look at his life and, you know, what most would have considered the worst day of his life, the day that um, they took his life or he gave his life willingly, we know now on the other side of that, that that is the hope of all humanity, that dark day. And Mm. the same thing is true on a small scale for all of us, those dark things, that dark day is the seed which will blossom into an incredible resurrection if we just trust God that he knows he knows best and you know what he's trying to do in us the person that he's trying to make us he knows what it's going to take to get us to where he he wants us to be and we've got to trust him mm-hmm. whether that's financial stress and struggle whether that's uh god forbid the death of a child whether that's um, a, a horrible childhood that we can't make sense of. We lost our house 10 years or seven years ago to a house fire. And um, finding that God is in the details, He's in the ashes, He's in the death with us, in the suffering with us to bring us to this, this day of resurrection. And it's, it's always the faith in something that you can't see. We can't see it today. And that's the point of faith. So we just pray, right. you know, that we just pray that he gives us faith. Give me faith to see that this thing that I'm going through, you're going to use this to bring resurrection and hope and life and light. And um, just trusting that he's a good father and that he loves us and he's for us and everything he does is for him to bring us to this place where we can then offer our gifts and serve and love others. But getting us to that point is not easy because we're stubborn and we're sinful and, you know, we need a lot of, um, we need a lot of sanctifying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, you've been, I mean, you hello, you've been mothering for a long time now and you've got, you know, adult children who range in age, uh, you know, from very much, you know, on your own and grown and gone to still having children at home. And I feel like um, as and even as I'm talking to you and I'm hearing this in your voice, we still have a lot to learn. Like, I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but I feel like every day I'm more aware of the things I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, wow, yeah. I thought I had that. I thought I had that figured out. And there is a, there's a, there's a joy that comes from exactly what you're saying. There's a joy that comes from acknowledging, okay, I can't do this apart from, I don't know how people do life without Jesus. I really don't. Like people say, how do you either. homeschool? I'm like, uh, <laughs> Jesus, that's how I do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and even there are days when I'm just like, you know, Jay would come home from work and I'd be in a fetal position behind the front door. Like, why did it take you so long <laughs> to come home today? And you realize every day, your need, we get a chance every day to start over. We get a chance every day to say, okay, Lord, I messed up yesterday. Um, so help me, um, help me to, to, to walk in the way that you want me to walk today, to lean into you. And I love that you wrap up uh, your book, All the Pretty Things, with this message of hope, letting people know that God wants to meet them 
right were there. Another thing that I that I love about you, um, Edie, I'm going to be I'm going to be like the president of your fan club after this. So I hope that's okay <laughs> with you. Uh, another thing that I love about you, I was watching a video because you uh, you you trans uh, you moved transitioned out of um, medical practice and into natural medicine, and you use essential oils. And I was watching a video that you did the other day. I, I can't I can't remember what you're talking. No, I can. You're talking about gut health, which I'm like, ooh, fascinating. This will be so fun. I'm gonna listen to Edie talk about gut health. So I do. <laughs> and I told Melissa later. I called her and I said the thing that stuck out to me the most because you were talking about Whole Thirty. And as soon as you said Whole Thirty, I was like, wah, wah. like I. <laughs> I can't do it. Like Melissa did it. And I was like, girl, why are you doing that? That is just why, why would you torture yourself in that fashion? And I'm listening to you and, and someone said that, or maybe it was you or your daughter said that they did, um, six like six hours of whole 30. <laughs> yes. And I loved that you said, I actually was proud of her. You just did. Six hours of hope. That is something. That is a step in the right direction. And I told Melissa, I go, I said, I'm going to give it a try. And she goes, you're going to try Whole30? And I said, yeah, I figure I'd tell you first because you're going to make fun of me if you read about it on my blog. So, um, But I thought I can do Whole30 for six hours. Exactly. I don't know if I could do it for seven hours, but I know I can do it for six hours. And I kind of think that is sort of the message, pardon me for for it. Um, excuse me, you're talking and I'm, uh, I'm assessing you. So part of, I think the message of what you're saying is, you know, baby steps, make a little step in the right direction and trust that God will meet you, whether it's trying to get over, um, a, a, an injury that happened to you emotionally or physically as a child, whether it's trying to, to, um, get over a painful divorce or the loss of, um, you know, your, your income or whatever it is that God's not expecting us to just wake up one day and be healed. He's saying, I'm going to walk with you. My grace is actually found right here in this weakness that you're struggling with. And if you'll just take my hand, I'm going to walk. And even if you can only do it for six hours, I'm going to walk you through yep. that six hours. And I love, love, love that about you, Edie Wadsworth. I really do. Oh, you know, it's funny because I love helping people make changes because I've struggled so much making good changes in my own life. And I always tell people when I was practicing medicine, if I was helping somebody lose weight or helping somebody quit smoking, the thing that stum that stumps people is they'll say, well, I've tried this five times and, and I, and I, you know, gave up every time and I didn't do it. But what I know about people who really um, get transformation is they might do it 11 times or 12 times mm -hmm. before it mm -hmm. finally takes. And so yeah. if you give up after the 12th time, then you're not going to see the 13th time where you finally did it or, you, you know, you finally did it right. for 30 days instead of six hours. And, um, and I think people, especially in the Christian community, we can fall into camps. We can say, well, it's all grace. So it doesn't matter you know, what right. I do, how I live, uh, what I eat, what I, whatever. But I think the point is, yes, it's all grace, but we don't know how hard it is to, um, to do anything until we try to do it. And then we know, oh, we can't do this. This is the law and we need Jesus because we can't do this. But we don't yep. know that if we don't yep. really war against the flesh. And so in whatever way we're warring against the flesh, if that's physically in exercise or 
food or if that's against pornography or if that's against losing my temper with my kids or if that's against um, not having, you know, a loving marriage in whatever way we're warring against our flesh, we need to keep warring Mm. against it. And every day God will strengthen us and make us a little, you know, he'll, we'll be a little bit stronger. And I like to think of it. I think C.S. Lewis was the one who said this, but um, we want to get to the point where when we actually make it to heaven, we don't want it to be such a stretch of what we would, what we want to be like, you know? And so, so let's war against this flesh and let's, for the sake of our kids, for the sake of our marriage, for the sake of the neighbor beside us, who's encouraged, you know, by our life and who we can, you know, uphold. So, yeah, I love talking about that because I think people feel so defeated, you know, and go, Oh, I can never do that. Well, sure you can. It might take 14 times, but (laughs) yeah, you might do six hours of whole 30 (laughs) before you actually get to whole 30. Yeah. And I think it's just, I, you know what? My husband uh, really encouraged me and we're taking this podcast too long. So I'm going to wrap it up. We'll come back and we'll talk about this again in, uh, on Friday, next Friday. But uh, there was something that my husband did uh, said to me years and years ago that encouraged me to study the Bible. And I was so, uh, I, you know, all these little kids, I have seven children. I'm surrounded by little people all the time. I'm stressed out. I'm tired. I've, I'm homeschooling and you know, on top of it. And I wasn't in the word because I just felt like I don't have time to do an inductive Bible study today. You know, I'm a Bible study. I'm a Bible college girl. I went to Bible college and I, and it sort of, it sort of wired me to think that that's how you study the Bible. You know, you spend six hours a day and then you take a test. Yep. And Jay said, Heidi, just, you know, five, five minutes start with, because he said, what you're doing is you're setting up this huge goal in front of you and you're never going to get there because the goal itself is overwhelming you. So make the goal something that's manageable. And that's what I did. I started just like, I'm, you know, I can do anything for five minutes. I can get on my treadmill for five minutes. I can read my Bible for five minutes. I can spend five minutes in prayer. And that five minutes began to just, it like, it's like it ignited a hunger in me to think I can do this longer. I can do this more. This is so good for me. And you're kind of doing the same thing and just telling, hey, start, start with something you know you can manage and ask the Lord to walk alongside you. It's so encouraging. It is so encouraging. And a lot of times, I mean, I, I do live streams on my Facebook page and we talked about this yesterday, but if I don't have time to do, you know, like you're saying, I don't have time to, to do my whole devotional or whatever. I just, um, I just spend, maybe it's not even five minutes. It might be 30 seconds. But Mm -hmm. yesterday, one of the things that I read was the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. And I didn't have time to read the Mm -hmm. whole thing, but I wrote that down in my planner. And all day, all I could think of was in the wilderness of my day, in the wilderness of my life, when in the wilderness of my own soul, when I don't feel worthy, when I'm not measuring up to my own whatever, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. He goes above us and before us and with us and in us. And and all we need is to just regularly, you know, I think the reason why it's so important, even if it's just 30 seconds, is because we are at heart unbelievers. We don't believe that God loves us, that He goes before us, that He, you know, yeah. lives in us, that He shakes the wilderness. And we need that we need that reinforcement. He creates belief by his word. So if it's 30 seconds a day, he can work miracles in 30 seconds a day. That's right. Yep. 
Yeah, it's exactly right. I'm always telling women, you know, you spend a little time in the Word of God, it will change your life. It really, it really will. Uh, Edie, one more thing before we go. Uh, first of all, I love your story. I love you. I hope everybody who's listening to this, you guys, I'll link back to all the pretty things. You want to find some encouragement, particularly if you've experienced any kind of suffering in your life. Uh, Edie's going to encourage you because of what God's done in her life. But also, I want to I want to talk about something else that's really fascinating to me. And I know listeners are going to love it. That is this idea that you are a doctor. I'm like, I, I always feel dumb when I talk to doctors, so I'm going to try to forget that you're a doctor. So <laughs> you are a physician, <laughs> but now you are more into natural medicine. And I found you because of essential oils, which I've been using forever and ever. And I'm wondering, can you, would you come back uh, next Friday with me? And I won't call it Meet My Friend Friday. I'll say, here's my old friend, Edie Friday. <laughs> uh, but um, can you come back and just talk about how you moved? Because I think it's a fascinating story from modern medicine, uh, which is what most of us are still still really doing on a day-to-day basis, into a more natural approach to health. I'm wondering, would you come back uh, next Friday and talk to me about that? And we can have a conversation about essential oils and natural health. I would love to. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Yay. I would love that too, uh, because I've always been fascinated and I've got some uh, questions I want to ask you. So everybody, um, Edie's going to come back next Friday, but in the meantime, I hope you'll take the time this week to look at the notes for the podcast today. You can, I will link back to all things, uh, Edie Wadsworth. You can find her book. You can find out uh, how she got started, um, in essential oils about her family, all those kinds of things. And in the meantime, I hope you guys are remembering to check out Mom Strong International. We are uh, coming into the fourth week of that now. We are studying the book of John, and I've got over 4,000 of you uh, studying John with me. So I want to just encourage you, check it out, momstronginternational.com. Check out all things uh, Edie Wadsworth over at the show notes today. If you have a show idea or a podcast guest that you would like me to have on the podcast, please shoot me an email podcast at the busy mom.com. Hey, thanks Edie for coming on uh, the show today. I've really loved talking with you. Thank you. It has been my honor and I'm so, so thankful that God saw fit to cross our paths like this. Oh, I'm too. I don't think it'll be the last time either. Cause you know, I love all things Southern. So I'll be back. <laughs> all right. <laughs> thanks Edie. Thanks everybody for listening. I'll see you back here on Monday. 